Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Untranslatable Podcast, Perspectives of an ESL or EFL Teacher. I am here with my guy who is super fly, my co-host Jared. What's going on, Jared? Hello, I am super fly. I assume you're saying I'm super fly because you noticed my Nike hoodie. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um... For more um, of these shenanigans, follow us on Twitter at Untranslatable1, Instagram Untranslatable Podcast, or you can email us at the Untranslatable Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us stuff, stories, untranslatables. Compliments. Um, we always love compliments. Yeah. Or, or you can even direct those compliments just to a review. That, that might be simpler That'd and be more direct. Better, and the sure. whole world can see how much you love us. Mm-hmm. Um, Five star review. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, buddy? How's Kumatov? Kumatov is, is going well, man. I got a bike yesterday. Nice. What so, kind? Uh, it's just like a kind of a basic road bike. It says okay. Mercury on it. Um, okay. I don't know if that's like the brand or, or like the model. But Did it's you buy blue, it? It's blue. No, I'm borrowing it from a colleague of mine. It's her dad's, and I guess he never used it. So he's oh, had nice. it for a few years, and we got it, and it was super dusty. So... I think they were telling me the truth when they said he didn't really use it. So, uh, so yeah, I'm planning on doing some epic bike rides. There are some trails that actually connect Komotov with some of the other neighboring towns. So uh, if I ever get to uploading some pictures, uh, I'll have to get some on the bike trails. Stop. Just stop. Now you're just being <laughs> mean. <laughs> I do hope to, though. I mean, forget the pictures. You might not take pictures, but I do uh, can't wait to hear the podcast uh, episode about it. Right, for sure. Because uh, I, I, you, I can at least get you to do that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That's very true. What's cool about the bike, though, man, is it's got. So a lot of the bikes I've seen in the states that have lights, you either have to charge them. Some are solar powered, right? Mm-hmm. This this light, it's really cool. It actually. I know how it works. Okay, how yeah, you know? it, it clips onto the wheel. You know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I've never seen a light like that before, but it makes perfect yeah, yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can. Sorry, I don't. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, that is a. It is a, a simple but genius thing. It just clips to the wheel and takes the energy from the spinning wheel, and then the only thing is when you stop, the light doesn't. Uh, although sometimes some of them will stay on for a bit after. So I okay. take that back. I haven't ridden this one yet to to know, but I'll I'll give you my consensus a little later. But yeah, it's a simple uh simple technology, that works. Yeah, but can you do that with LEDs? I don't know if you can. You probably uh, can. I I would. I don't know. I don't have a degree in uh, mechanical engineering, so I'm the wrong guy. I don't guy know if you need a degree to know that. I just think you need to be smarter than us. I don't. Uh, I don't know if that requires enough. a degree. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Just basic knowledge of LEDs, which I have more basic knowledge about language teaching uh, than I do with LEDs. Yes, yeah, but we can get into sure. that later. That's for sure. I think we need to uh, take a moment, uh, silence, pour some out for uh, Mac Miller. Yes, sir. This one was a, a a sad one for me, you know, because I like I I guess it never really crossed my mind that um, I was like, oh yeah, like I listened to him all the time when I was like in, in high school and college and stuff like that. Right. And um, it is always sad, but nice to see all the people after that um, that say all the things like, oh, he was always the, one of the nicest dudes in the mm. business. And it's right. like, I feel like people don't throw that out there lightly There's because there's no. really no reason to. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think uh, I think you can usually tell um, in general, I think after someone passes, what kind of an impact they had on people. Just just like you said, the way they 
the way they react, you know. I also have to say, though, well, first of all, obviously, rest in peace, Mac Miller, without yep. a doubt. I think he was one of, I think he was one of the the greats of our generation in terms of not only a rapper and a lyricist, but also um, as a musician. I think you know there are stories of him going into like guitar centers and just kind of being like a little kid, like trying everything out, and like mm-hmm. he just had this. You know, obviously, I never had the fortune of meeting him, but I mean, through his music, you can tell he had this kind of playfulness this i've seen him in concert before i think he was uh opening for like Wiz khalifa or something like that okay somewhere makes sense been... both pittsburgh guys yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i might somewhere maybe it was michigan state or something like that but yeah okay. i uh or maybe it was in uh clarkston at, at the dte dte place. right but either way yeah but yeah. uh yeah it was sad news man we found out right after we had finished recording our last episode Right. Now um, people know how long it takes for us to uh, right. <laughs> put these out. But uh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Shouldn't have revealed our secrets. But yeah. Yeah. So we, we send our, our prayers and our condolences to his family and, and also all the fans out there. I mean, this this really hit me. I mean, I've yeah, been listening he, to his music all day now. Yeah. I listened to a lot of it uh, yesterday, the day that we found out. Um, and um, it's a... Um, like I, you, you forget like how, um, like how part of your, the generation, my generation, he was until you. I go back and listen. Some of these songs that I had to listen to in years, and I just like was knew all the lyrics to it when I was singing them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just heard it like, like last week or something like that. I was right. like, oh yeah, I forgot how well I knew like a lot of these songs. I think that goes to show you though how how good his music was though too. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. I, do you have a favorite Mac Miller song? The first one I went to go play, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I will say the first one I went to play was Down the Rabbit Hole. Okay. I don't know why I like that one, because um, it's not my favorite, but it's probably one of the earlier ones. It's probably, mm-hmm. uh, now I want to like pull up my iTunes and see if I can, uh, <laughs> like, because I can't think of the, uh, it's been a long time since I've listened to like some of those earlier albums, but like. The any I like the kids album that album uh, that, oh that that's w- such a great was album. played a lot that album mm-hmm. in general was probably played the most. Um, but I it's it's just been so long now I have to pull it I can't pull it up if you want. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're more than welcome I gotta to. Open my, uh, also, his his new album that just came out was really really good too. Um, I think it's is, is it swimming or swimming pools? I have not listened to it. Give it a listen. It's really good. Um. I'd have to say, though, without a doubt, also kind of ironic that this is the song that we that's my favorite after our previous um, top of the pod chat on our last episode. But Nike's on my feet is, I think, by far one of my favorites by by him. Um, By the way, I I just pulled up in my iTunes. I have uh, 206 Mac Miller songs. Oh, wow. Also, Fight the Feeling with Kendrick Lamar is a fantastic song. That one is also one of my favorites, but yeah, it, it's it, really annoying that we can't play stuff. But <clears throat> excuse me, I know, we can't right? Play stuff, by the way, but oh well, we might just have to, you know, post a link to a couple songs, you know, on our social media. At least we can do that and won't get in trouble. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I also. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I also go ahead. like the album The High Life. That was a good album too. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, they're they're all good. I mean, really, that's. Yeah, he was just a, a quality quality artist, and uh, oh, I like the song "Outside." 
That's oh yeah, that's a good one too. I mean, man, there, we Kool Aid or frozen pizza? That's a classic. That's one. a classic, of course. <laughs> Senior skip day. I, oh yes, I love that. That's one. a good one too. The, what's that one song he did that was uh, um, sampled from Owl City? Uh, I can't find that just from. I can't, won't uh, be able to pull that out just by n- looking n- through not, that, not the Not not important, titles. but that's a really good one too. <laughs> um, that's not a really that good, good one too. But yeah, and and man, it it really hits you too. I think when an artist passes, that's pretty much the same age as you. you oh know? yeah, you know. I mean, he, really. I, I didn't I didn't realize, that, and that's what I was talking about. I didn't realize how square and our quote unquote generation he was because he was born in the same year as me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I knew it's like it's weird to think that this that I've like been listening to this dude's music since high school and it's like oh yeah this he was the exact same age as i was right. that entire time exactly yeah <laughs> it's it's just different when you see somebody who's like famous or a celebrity i feel like because we it's almost like a lot of people put them on like a different like level you know what i mean right like yeah but it's and i also have to say too um so when i was in high school um, sadly, one of my, um, well, he was a younger student, but he, he passed away in like a really tragic jet ski accident. And I guess Mac Miller, I guess Mac Miller somehow found out about it on, and I forget which music video it was, but on one of the music videos, you can see him wearing one of the, um, Nick King was this, this, uh, kid's name and he's wearing one of his bracelets on one of his music videos. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's. He, I think we really did lose a great one here. Um, yeah, we really did. Um, but you know what? I think is also really awful. There have been so many people that have been attacking and lashing out at Ariana Grande. Um, oh, like, saying it's her fault. Exactly, which I think is just no, trash. No. That's just trash. Uh, no, you you can never blame. Uh, no, you can never blame someone else for someone own, like someone's own problems. Mm-mm. Right, <clears throat> and I think unfortunately he had been battling. You know, substance abuse issues for a while. Right. Um, that has nothing to do with anyone else. Right. Exactly. But, you know, what's also crazy, too, is I feel like a lot of people who are very creative, whether it's a musician or an artist, um, and, like, on a different level than, like, I would say, like, your normal people, right? I feel like <laughs> they have, like, a... It, it's just weird. Like, I feel like a lot of musicians out there have a lot of issues with... And, and artists, too, with, like, substance abuse and different things. And I wonder if it's just, like, because – actually, well, I don't really know why it is, but, like, it's it's interesting to think about. You know what I mean? Like, because I think a lot of people would see a celebrity and be like, oh, I would love to have that life. But they have mm-hmm. no idea what it's like to be in their shoes, you know? I agree with you. Like, it does seem to attract, like, like mo- any really artistic endeavor – does seem to have a higher like attraction of of certain levels of abuse, but you also mentioned the normal people part, and I think that that's the thing too is that when it's when the addiction is in um you know from these super artistic people, I think a lot of times people forget that they also are just normal people. Very true, good point. And yeah. and I think that also I like exacerbates it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know, that's not to uh, that's not to undermine the people that are are that quote unquote normal people, because a lot of those people, you know, a lot of those people don't know how to voice, you know, what's really going on. But I think just having that sort of also like yes, per- yes, man attitude around these 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 big artists that are you know is is a very tough thing, and dealing with just being an artist in general, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. to be able to have that sort of 
and I think some of it also comes with like where the you know where these feelings come from and where this sort of pain comes from. Right. They they kind of they kind of go they kind of work together, which is why people also fear getting sober and then losing that uh, that level like that feeling. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Very good points. I feel like any any time with you know any type of drug or substance. I think a lot of people use it to kind of numb themselves. You know what I mean? And then when you get sober, um, not that I've, you know, knock on wood, I've never had any, any substance abuse issues or anything, but like from what I've family members that have dealt with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. At least with alcoholism, actually in a couple too, with substance abuse. I mean, I have two, probably everyone has, but right. And I think some of it though, too, is like, at least from, you know, a couple of my family members who I've spoken with, they say that one of the scariest things about being sober is there isn't really a way to numb yourself, you know, right? I mean, without using again, you know, which is, right. which is, I think, why it's so difficult for a lot of people to, to stay sober because life is hard sometimes, man. It really, it really is. Right. <laughs> but hopefully we can bring a little sunshine into everyone's <laughs> lives with our untranslatable I, podcast. I'm, I'm like, yeah, you're right, man. Yeah, I think I need to go talk to a therapist. <laughs> I'm going to end this episode over. It's going to be a really, uh, short episode this week. Right. <laughs> right, only 13 minutes long. Uh, speaking of, um, though, uh, people that uh, are suit like legends. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk, you mentioned Mac Miller, Serena mm-hmm. Williams. Oh, man. I, so I've only really seen headlines on this, but could you, uh, you're a tennis fan, so I assume you know more about what happened. Could you, one, explain the issue with the umpire? Sure. And to explain the aftermath. Yeah. Okay. So, well, well, first of all, yeah, like, like Jared said, Serena is a legend in her own right. Uh, um, and also like, like we talked about on the previous episode, I loved her little spot on that Nike commercial with, uh, with Kaepernick. Yeah. Um, that was great. But yeah, so, so what happened was she was in, I, I'm pretty sure it was the U S open finals. Mm-hmm. Um, which are also in New... Well, actually, she's from Compton, I guess. But still, I feel like she has a very large fan base in New York. I mean, she has a large fan base everywhere. Oh, everywhere for sure. Where there's, first doubt. of all, where there's black people, there's definitely going to be a Serena fan. But yeah, no, there's... Yeah, she's got fans everywhere. Right. And, and, and she is such a great ambassador for the sport as well. But what happened, Jared, was um, the, the chair umpire, I guess, thought that her coach was coaching her. And so I don't remember if he gave her a warning or he gave um, Osaka, which was her opponent, a point. But he gave her a warning. That was one of the things that happened. Um, is he gave her a warning. Um, he basically just gave her a bunch of code violations. So first of all, um, yeah, like cheating, which she had gotten coaching from her coach. So in, in tennis... Did you, did in you prof- see the finals? Did you see... Uh, sadly, because I'm living in the Czech Republic, oh, all right. of my, yeah. all of my like stuff doesn't Cable work right now. Cable subscriptions and whatnot right. won't. Yeah. Right. So it's so, and I don't really feel like you know shelling out the money for VPN just so I can see these. But yeah. So basically, um, the the chair umpire Carlos Ramos, um, he said that uh, she was being coached by her coach, which in professional tennis is technically against the rules, which I don't really understand because in high school tennis. And I'm pretty sure in college tennis, in between sets, when you go to sit down or get a drink, you can talk with your coach. So okay. why is it illegal? I think tennis is one of the only professional sports where you where can't coach. get coaching Golf? during the match. 
What? Well, golf, you definitely, I would say golf, but that's, of course you can. You're talking to the caddy consistently. <laughs> right. Well, and your, <clears throat> well, your caddy's not really your coach though, are they? Uh, I guess he's not your coach, but I guess he's the closest thing to your, right. not a coach, okay. but like a, you know, someone who's the only right. person that would be guiding you while out, while you're out there, I guess. Exactly. And I guess, so what happened was, so, so Serena's coach, I think made some, some like hand motions, like to basically he wanted her to go to the net more, you know, hit some volleys. Um, okay. And uh, did, did, did he actually make the hand motions or is that what the guy I, well, was alleging? See, I didn't I didn't watch the match, but after the match, the coach did say he was making hand motions. But okay. what's also interesting is Serena said um, and I really believe her. She said she wasn't looking at him like she wasn't really paying attention to it. Um, so whether or not she was really coached is kind uh, of up to debate, which I, gotcha. I th- which I think definitely. So that's why she was like uh, talking to the umpire saying like, uh, mm-hmm. how dare you say I was uh, cheating or something like that. Right. Right. It's like even if he was uh, doing something, she's like, I'm playing the game here. You think it, I'm looking into the stands? It, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That um, seems like it would be really tough to even get coached like that. Like if you're. You need a game special like hand signals or something. And and you like look up and look at your coach and he like tells you what to do in between serves. That just seems right. like it's like I mean obviously you could do it but it's like Right. But the other thing is too like I've I've watched I've watched, you know, professional tennis players live at the Cincinnati Open in Ohio. And they look up to what they call their camp, which is usually their coach Maybe their husband or their they're wife. Posse, yeah, yeah they're posse. They call in the black right. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been liking on my black Twitter references lately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so so it's not uncommon to look up mm. at your at your posse or or your camp, um, you know, in between sets or during the game. You know, they're there to support you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like any sporting event, you know. It's like your but corner then, at a boxing match. Ex- exactly. <laughs> And they also get coaching. So why is it an issue in tennis where I don't understand it? But anyways, the other things, though, that, that added more insult to injury, um, Ramos gave Williams a point violation. She smashed her racket, um, which I also find a little cheap because I've also seen professionals, mostly men, smash their rackets and only get a warning. So okay. I'm going to call BS right now and say that that I don't know what the, the rule book says, and the rule book probably does say that there might be a point violation, but I've seen so many people smash their rackets and only get a warning. And so you're especially if you're playing in the final of the US Open. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and, and yeah, and I saw this one guy, this Russian guy, um, oh shoot, I don't remember his name. He smashed his racket on his head and split his forehead open. Oh, yeah. Did he keep playing or was yeah? Was the... I mean, he he wiped it off with a towel and kept playing. I think they might have oh, had so to it wasn't... butterfly stitch it real quick or do something oh. so it wouldn't keep bleeding, so he wouldn't drop one. I'm surprised that didn't like disqualify him. I I don't think it disqualified him. I'll have to look look that up and see because I don't want to spread false information. But I, I, I'm gonna I want I want to look this up right now. Go ahead, look it up. I think Russian. the guy's first name is Dimitri. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but, yeah, so I saw – yeah, that was crazy. He smashed the racket on his forehead. Um, maybe he did get disqualified now that I think about it. I'm not sure, but let me know if you can find it. Oh, that's gross. Isn't uh, it? All right, this is USA Today, just to, to be fair. Okay, what does uh, it say? And They're making me turn off my ad blocker. I will not. Of course they Of course they. Check are. tennis player um, – no, Car- no, that's not it. That's not it because he's Russian. Should be Dimitri something. Yeah. Well, because I saw, I just saw the the Czech guy would be Thomas Berdich, but I, he was usually pretty calm and collected when he played. 
So that would be surprising if he was one. But yeah, so while you're looking but that I up, see the video, I see videos of it, but I, I okay. don't see any Dimitris. Oh, really? Okay, hold up. Um, Smashing a tennis racket on your head is ill-advised. Is it Yuzhny? Dimitri, or, or oh, it's Mikhail Yuzhny. Sorry, it's not Dimitri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikhail Yuzhny. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And Ooh, that does look gross, though. Right? Yeah. Uh, oh, Mikhail wow. Yuzhny was not too pleased with this play at the French Open on Sunday. This is, 20, this is 2015. Mm-hmm. So he decided that it would be better to use his racket on his head than a tennis ball. Uh, with his first round match uh, against D- uh, Demir Zumhuda tied 2-2 in the first set on a triple break point. Yuzhny hit a backhand shot into the net and punished himself with a thorough thrashing. Thorough thrashing? But see here, he didn't. So it says here he played. Well, he played out the match, um, and then retired after the third set. After the second (laughs) set, (laughs) retired for for a migraine. Well, well, in tennis, when you retire, retired. I think think he's like, I'm done. What am I doing with my life? That would be pretty crazy. (laughs) But see, but he didn't get disqualified. So right. So and I don't know. I don't know if he lost any points or anything. So it's kind of a moot point. But. But that's you know that's and that's the best part about Serena is even though she lost, like um, she still gets like way more uh, attention than um, Osaka, the girl that won the U.S. Open. Right. But yeah. Which, I, by the way, congratulations to her. That was the first time she's ever won. Well, see, but that's that's the whole problem with this entire thing, Jared. Is the the win for Osaka was kind of snubbed from her, you know, mm-hmm. because like she she played a good match from the highlights I saw. She was playing really well. I mean, you have to play well to. Uh, well, obvi- obviously, the- <laughs> but no, obviously, I know what you mean. but but she is always oh. going to be known for that match where Serena got you know in a confrontation <laughs> with Ramos, the chair umpire, and yeah. So right. what she said was, is she said, "You owe me an apology," um, because you know he cheated her out of a point. I mean, right. granted, it's only one point, but it's it's ridiculous. But also, I mean, a point is a point when you're. It's, every point counts when it's the U.S. Open. I'll take right. my point. But it's it's also Final. I also have to really give Serena a lot of props because she spoke about sexism in tennis and like I said I've seen a lot of men break tennis rackets and there have never been any negative repercussions usually a warning never a point um, and so yeah and I think it's an important discussion that we need to have because I think sadly a lot of people assume because it's women tennis they can't you know, display aggression like men do, but that's just bullshit. You know? Yeah. It, I was scrolling, I was scrolling through Twitter today and there was, there were already like comparing headlines from like when some uh, dude yelled at a, a, um, mm-hmm. a umpire and it's like, and it's like blah, blah, blah. And it's like fight for his team. Oh, it was a baseball. Someone yelling at a baseball. Umpire. Oh, the strike. Yeah. Argument and strike then, or some crap like that. And then yeah. another one was like, uh, and then next to it was like, um, uh, Serena Williams has mother of all blowups at the umpire, and it was- yeah, that's just <laughs> trash. <clears throat> and she didn't. I've I've like heard of guys who have sworn at the umpire, who have called them all sorts of names. Oh, I'm sure she didn't call him any names. Like if you go and watch the clip, like it's it's not even really that bad. She's just like, you owe me an apology. You stole a point. Are you calling me a cheater? Like, and I feel yeah. like Serena has always been a very honest competitor. You know, yeah. all the, you know, she has a very good reputation in the sport and I think around the world. 
Um, and Especially as yeah. someone that also gets, uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote random drug test more than the average player. And right. it's like she's already, like, been, like, proven over and over again. That's like, I don't, like, as an honest player. And it's, yeah, no, I get it. Ooh, I, get it. I, li- I like this tweet, Jared. Let me read this. This is from uh, at, uh, um, Jamil Smith. Sally Jenkins gets it right in the Washington Post. Ramos took what began. This was what I was talking about earlier. Ramos took what began as a minor infraction and turned it into one of the nastiest and most emotional controversies in the history of tennis, all because he couldn't take a woman speaking sharply to him. I think that's pretty true. That hits the nail on the yeah. head right there. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, and I'm really Sounds curious to right. see right. And I'm really curious to see if the the chair umpire will you know, give an apology if this will affect yeah. his career. I doubt I it. I say no on both. Right. I really <laughs> doubt it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say no on both. Right. Uh, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. But um, interesting. A lot of people, wow, a lot of people had a lot of negative things to say about it too, though. A lot of... Uh, People, oh, I'm sure. A lot of people of course, thought the it internet, was, right, right? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no shit, right? Of course, right? Yeah, but like people are calling her a sour loser or a sore loser, and people a are sour s- loser. Is that an untranslatable? <laughs> no, this person literally wrote Serena Williams was a s o u r. Last time I checked, s o u r would be sour. No, you're right. Yeah, but yeah. Oh so gosh. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But I I got to give it to her because she, you know. I, th- I don't know, man. To me, it seems like it's, I don't know. To me, I, I would, I would have probably reacted the same way, if not worse. So, good thing maybe yeah. I'm not playing tennis anymore. <laughs> yeah, Chad would have knocked that racket against his his nuts and forget it. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! That'd be bad. No, dude. You know what I used to do back in high school when I was playing tennis and I get frustrated? No, I would Pull your uh, hair out. Um, no, I would usually yell stuff in German. <laughs> Verdammte Scheiß, man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Was du dann? Exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, I never played any German guys. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. That's uh, hilarious. It's pretty crazy. But um, we're, we're trying out something new on our uh, uh, untranslatable podcast uh, for this episode. We figure we live in a world with a lot of uh, a lot of negativity out there, and sometimes we just need a little extra positivity in all of our lives. So uh, we're starting uh, with this episode a shout out of the pod, and uh, I want to give a really special shout out to Ayana Presley, who is the first African American woman to win a Massachusetts primary. Oh, shout out! Yeah. And so this is pretty right. This is pretty crazy because she beat a guy who um, has been a sitting um, House member, uh, Michael Capuano, um, to secure the Democratic nomination. And I gotta say, Jared, you should definitely check out. She's uh, she has a video that I saw somewhere on Facebook. Um, I should have saved it because she is such an eloquent speaker, such an articulate woman. Um, I think she will be a great leader. And I really think it's important we have better representation in American politics. There are too many old-ass white guys. America is not only old-ass white guys, and we need better representation for everybody. Especially in, in the House and Senate, because once people get those positions, it's, it's, hard for, it's hard to 
Like those people have those positions for like 35 years sometimes. 40 even sometimes. And it's just because it's mostly just because young people don't vote. That's really what it is. Right. And it's just because it's it's just old people voting in the same old people. And mm-hmm. it's like we, mm-hmm. like and and then the pe- and then the young people are the ones that are complaining and it's like I think you'd be surprised how easily you could change this cuz it's hard to even like you look at the numbers of people that vote in like um um what do you call it? Uh, not the primaries, but when it's like in between uh, midterms. Yep. Like it's like the sh- numbers are shockingly low of, of just in general. I think the numbers like 40 percent or something right. of people that vote. But that's not young people. That's just of people in population. General, right. And that's just a guess. I don't know if it's 40, but it's I know it's less than 50, isn't it? Oh, I'm sure it is. I think uh, I think another big problem we have in the United States is, in my opinion, voting should be a national holiday. You shouldn't have to take off work. It is 40, by the way. I just Googled it. It is? Okay, nice. Thank you, Google. And thank you, Jared. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like... I agree. They yeah. make, I mean, that's, but that's part of, that's part of the, the system that's broken. It's, it's, there, is, um, there are like steps put into place to make it harder to right. vote because that... Oh, see, this is now going to turn into like, a, like the uh, leftist Alex Jones podcast. Oh, jeez. <laughs> systems in place... No, but this is true. Yeah, there are true. systems in place in certain communities to make it harder for people to vote, and they're purposely targeting certain people to... Um, to, to and, and lying to them and telling them that they need things that they don't to vote in order mm-hmm. to um, suppress votes. I mean, su- suppression yeah. of votes in communities is a real thing. That's not... Right, that and, really, it's really not, and it's Jones-y not a new... No, and it's not a new topic. It's no. been around for a long, long, long and the time. Way, and you look at, like, gerrymandering maps. Mm-hmm. Those maps don't even make sense, but it's just so you can get, like, every single, like, house mm-hmm. that'll vote for you and then cut out. Like, it's just, yep. like, those like those all, all are all just antiquated things in order to um, play the system. Exactly. Exactly. And so shout out to Ayanna Presley for somehow breaking through all that BS. And, and it's good to see. And there was also, um, see, now I don't remember her name, but the... Um, the woman in the Bronx that's... Uh, that Cortez, just, right? Yeah, I believe it was like... I feel like there's an Ocasia somewhere in there as well. Um, um, one second. Um, um, but it, it's it's just cool to keep... Like, see, like and every now and again now on my, um, Ocasio on my Twitter... Ocasio-Cortez. Alexandria every, Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so it's not Ocasia, but I did have the word right. I just right. pronounced it wrong. <laughs> Every now and again, though, it is like I'm seeing, uh, you know, people like that pop up on my on my Twitter feed and on Facebook and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, oh, go like in these random. It's like I'm running for um, I'm trying to finally change it up and blah, blah, blah in Massachusetts. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so cool to see that stuff. It is. Um, there's that one dude that I that I think it was a Michigan person that um, Abdul ha- with the hair. With the-, <laughs> the dude that looked like he was wearing a, uh, a wig all the time. Was he? What ethnicity was he? I can't really. T- I I was don't know if Indian? he was black or Indian, but um, might be Sri Tanadar. Maybe, but he. I don't remember his name, but I, I just couldn't. His hair looked so funny because he always looked like he was wearing like a. Okay, that's probably Sri. I don't know if that's offensive. I mean, I, I'm sure he was a great guy. I I just. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't live either. I'm not a Michigan resident anymore, so I don't actually have to vote for this dude. Right. But I know Michigan people, so I'd always see him go across my. Uh, so um. I have a question for you. Okay. By the way, shout out to Ayanna Presley. Uh, what are you doing October 26th to the 28th? 26th to the 28th? I have no idea why. Uh, because uh, I think you should head to Jubal- 
Jube. Oh, shit. Jubileum? No. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, Jubalanjana. Jubalanjana. Jubalajana. <laughs> okay. Lajubalajana. How's, How's it spelled? L J U B L J A N A. Okay. You should head to that city. It's it's in Slovenia, by the way. Okay. You should head to that lovely city in Slovenia for PolyglotCon 2018. Ooh. All right. You're going to fly over, Jared? That's Um, awesome. It's... T- and for uh, if you book if you get your ticket before uh, October twenty uh, excuse me October twenty seventh it's only one hundred twenty nine euros so I I dipped into our uh, untranslatable bank account I bought mm-hmm. your ticket all you have to do is buy your tri- trip there Slovenia surprisingly close can I read you a little bit about uh, polyglotcon absolutely uh, hashtag polyglotcon oh, no wait yeah I think that's what the hashtag is I don't even know I don't know why I said that. Uh, the Polygot Conference 2018 in that city in Slovenia that I can't pronounce but uh, spelled to you a second ago will bring together language enthusiasts from around the world, allowing them to meet other language enthusiasts and focus on language in a way that most of us are unable to do in our daily lives. Oh, wow. The main conference consists of two days of language talk on diverse subjects such as the latest research into polyglots and polyglottery, workplace applications of polyglot skills, language, families, or individual language languages, okay, linguistics, new learning resources and techniques, and language themes relating to the history and culture of the host city. Wow, that sounds There's more, but I need to take a break for at least 45 minutes before I keep reading. That's amazing, dude. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I yeah. might. Now, my question is, though, do you have to be a true polyglot to go? Because I feel like we are not yet at nearly close to true polyglot status. No, of course status. not, Chad. There are a lot of speakers that I, I believe are... Um, let me check, but I did look through the speakers. Some of the speakers are in different languages, but uh, some of them are um, English speakers. So you don't have to... Um, I mean, obviously, they're not all going to be in Slovenian because... Then no one's gonna show up. No offense, Slovenia, but I don't think you're on a lot of polyglots polyglots lists. <laughs> Jeez, the tongue twister. Polyglot's <laughs> a tough word. It is. All right, here's the speakers and agenda. On um, we will open Polyglot Conference on Friday, twenty sixth October. You know they're European, so they say weird. <laughs> <laughs> Friday, October 26th, as we would say in America, uh-huh. uh, with a welcome event from around 6 p.m. Jesse and D'Angelo will be entertaining us on the opening evening. Maybe we'll get a live uh, song of the pod and Chad will even interview her. Great idea, Chad. I can't wait for you to go <laughs> to. Uh, uh, she is a seasoned musician, uh, singer, and all-around entertainer. Oh, cool. Uh, she herself is a polyglot, speaking Spanish, German, English, French, Portuguese, Italian, Swedish, Russian, Hebrew, Catalan, Holy Hindi, crap. and Esperanto. Wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> and that's just Friday. That's just the opening. Man, I 
Ugh. I want to go now. I want to go really bad, but I also dude feel find like... a train ticket to uh. We'll do do it. Can we do it on the road again? And you can tell us how we say that city's name first of all. Sure. And it's one hundred twenty nine dollars. If you go, I will split it with you because it's a field trip for the pub. Oh, all right. I don't know if I'll split it with you fully, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. This this would be a great con- uh, conference I'll chip to in go to because though. it is for the, it is for the pub. Wow, this would be amazing to go to. I'm I'm legitimately. I didn't know you'd be this, this into this. I thought we'd be laughing more about this. No, but dude, I'm, this is this sweet. is so much better that you're into it. This is so cool. No, and you... that is just uh, once again. I haven't even. I only mentioned what's happening as the opening on. And dude, if you and it's. I mean, they say buy buy before the 27th. So I mean, you, I, I, you can buy at any time because the 27th is when it right. starts. Or it starts on the 26th actually. Right. But uh, 129 is not bad for an all weekend pass. Mm-mm. No. Um, can, do you want me to see if I can find some more highlights for you? No, dude. I I will I will do my own <laughs> research. This oh, is great. so okay. I love that. All I right. feel I I really want to go, but I feel like uh, I feel kind of like a poser, only being to speak like maybe two and a dude, half languages. Dude, th- there's n- nowhere in there does it say you have to be a polyglot to go to this. That's true. That's, That's true. not. I mean, do you think they would ever say no? Polyglots not allowed. Only polyglots right. allowed. It'd be a little. They're, they're not going to quiz yeah. you at the door, right? <laughs> right. Oh, you only speak two languages. Sorry. Here's a refund. Hold, hold on. Way. I just went to the. I just went to the FAQs, which is mm-hmm. English for frequently asked questions. Mm-hmm. How many languages do I have to be able to speak to attend the polyglot conference? There is no minimum requirement, and certainly no entrance test. The polyglot oh, conference really is funny. not about numbers, okay. but about passion. It's about it's we open to passion, uh, everyone who loves we got language. The, the idea behind the conference was to create a space to come together and share in that. Uh, every year we welcome hobbyists, professional professionals, academics, entrepreneurs, publishers, everybody and anybody to the conference. You're not a poser. You're a hobbyist, enthusiast, academic, entrepreneur, maybe publisher at some point. That would be cool. I mean, actually, I do have a, I do have an article published, believe it or not. Publisher, <laughs> podcaster, say, right? Yeah, maybe they, they need to add at Polyglotcon 2019. It'll say podcaster if you stop doubting yourself. Right. All right, dude. You'll well, be the first. We gotta go. Polyglotcon sponsor, sponsored podcast. We, I guess, I'm in this podcast too. Right. But uh, <laughs> this is cool, man. This <clears throat> is really cool. Are you looking at the website or something? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right. This is this is great, Jared. Um, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I wouldn't have yeah, known, man. and this isn't that far from where I am either. So no, you could probably catch a bus or a train for a uh, right. six euro and get maybe a uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe they'll have like full cryo chambers on there for you to sit in for the exactly. few hours. <laughs> You'll wake up refreshed. Now I wonder how expensive the hotel will be. Because uh, I think the 129 is only for the conference Yeah, of course. They're not, they're not booking you a hotel. Right. So, well, I'll talk to my sponsors, and maybe we'll be able to get you a deal. Right. <laughs> Let's see here. I'm looking right now just because I'm curious to see. Let's see I'm here. I'm glad that I got your, uh, uh, you I have, got you excited about this. What, now does, I, what, does Leonardo, be, uh, uh, what does Leonardo DiCaprio say in... Uh, I don't know. In uh, um, Django Unchained, he said, uh, "Oh, you piqued oh. my curiosity, but now you have my interest, or something like yeah, that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, you uh, had my interest. Now you have my curiosity, or something like that. Or not, first, you had my curiosity. Now you have one of those two. I mean, this isn't really too too expensive. And for dessert, we're having white cake. <laughs> right, right. Wow, this is crazy, dude. There's a double castle view. I'm looking at the hotel, and it's not that bad. Like, if I were to get just a uh, 
like just the the one room it's 145 euros okay um that's i, mean, I don't that's know kind of pricey but well i think that's for if you if, if you don't think it's that bad i'm not stopping you because i want you to go to this thing that'd be such a cool on the road again right oh that'd be awesome we'll see polyglacon edition right oh dude that'd be sick I'm I'm seriously gonna look into some hotels and see if I can find cheaper ones. But even 145 euros for I'd get there Friday, check Wait, out that Sunday. Was that the full weekend? You mean? I th- I think. Let me look. Oh, I thought you meant that was per night. I don't think so. Oh, I that's not in, that bad actually. Yeah. So yeah, two. Oh nope, nope. It's 145 a night. So it's three hundred euros. Yeah, that, that euros. sounds sounds like a nice hotel. Right. <laughs> it, it does look like a nice hotel. I might still even just drop the 300 euros. We'll see. I'll think about it and, some more. And, look. You, and you're looking live on the pod. Do, once you give it some actual research, right. you might be able to find and I might be able to find place. a hotel that's yeah right by it. Where All right. Uh, well, hey, there you we heard go. it here first, listeners. Look forward to uh, Polyglot Con 2018. I'm holding you to it now. All right. Sounds good. I've never been to uh, Slovenia, so that would be really sweet. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about it myself. All I right. know that they host Polyglot Con. And, and I believe they've been doing it for a good amount of time, too. Well, they host it. It looks like it's been hosted in a bunch of different countries. Makes sense. So Makes one sense. year it said it was in, uh, in uh, Reykjavik, Iceland. Um, New York was one year. So, yeah. I mean, usually, oh, yeah. Con- usually conferences. Thessaloniki was. Exactly. Yeah, there are some. Novi Sad was 2014. Budapest was 2013. Yep. yep. See? So. That's sweet, though, dude. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. We're going to have to definitely do that. <clears throat> for my sure. pleasure so um before we talk about um teaching i want to know uh one i mean you've been in the czech republic for what two three weeks now i think about three weeks yeah uh so you know you've met your co-workers yes sir do you do you, mm-hmm. do you uh do you consider yourself on a certain acquaintance based level with some of them i would actually, all of them some of them none of I them i would actually say that it's I would say it's a little more than just acquaintance. First of all, we're lover? on <laughs> not not lovers, <laughs> not not that far. They're actually all they're actually all married. So okay. So not trying to be a homewrecker here. Um, and Chad's also in a relationship. Just throwing that out. There. Right. Also very true. <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh, no, they're really great. And I, and and the reason why I say we're a little bit more than acquaintances is we're on a first name basis, um, which was. But really they're your nice. colleagues. Why would you ever be calling them like Mister or Mrs.? Well, I mean, are they I, older than you? They're all older than me, and they offer much the older? first name. Two of them are in their sixties. Oh, the other one I think are is you in the her only 40s. one from America? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the only native speaker. I might even I might go out on a limb here and say I might be the only American some of these students has have ever met before. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Wait. So is this like you should have you should have seen the reaction of the students this, when I introduced myself to their classes? A couple of kids gave a couple like fist bumps, like yeah, like oh the, yeah, because I mean, I, Americans kind of cool, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think generally speaking, um, so there's a positive. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you get? Uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going. You're good. To. You're good. Do you You're get good. Um, <laughs> like placed in in a school, or like, like so like. Through through like the system that gets you to these countries, they place you in schools. Yeah, they so so the way oh, it works so you're is just, you you interact with just normal teachers. Yeah, yeah. Th- for some reason, I thought there would be like more of like your colleagues that are like other pe- other other people from America that are teaching English. Nope, nope. So I'm I'm the only so American. So you're fully at the immersed. School. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I have, didn't realize I have I my own that. office, and the check word for office is uh, cabinet. 
So I have cabinet. my own. That's similar Ca- to cabinet, other. like a cabinet. Cabinet. That's mm-hmm. similar to other languages, I believe. Right. Right. Yep. Um, so so yeah. So I have my own little desk with a computer and. Huh. Uh, yeah. And Look I, at you. Yeah. Is it a public school? Uh, w- yes. It's so in the Czech Republic they have a couple different types oh, of right. schools it's, for secondary yeah. school. So I'm actually teaching a technical school. So they have like. Um, computer systems, mechanical engineering, um, technical management, which I'm still not quite sure what that exactly means. What, but, what would the age age range be? Um, so also the the school systems here are a little different, um, and they go like they call it like first to fourth grade, which would be like ninth to twelfth grade in the states, okay, so, right? So they're like high school age. Yeah, but they can, but they can, right? But they can also be older because I think some of the students. I, I, well, it's a technical school, so maybe some of them are like right. Well, farther along or right. doing and, other technical and things. Exactly, exactly. And some of them, because my mentor told me a few of the students might be 20 or even 21. Okay. Um, I, I, yeah. I understand that. That right. makes sense. Yeah. But it makes sense if, if you – we're going to have – we should ha- do a uh, do an episode about different school systems because mm-hmm. um, there's also, I feel like, in Europe – uh, at least from what I remember about Germany, less of an less of a a focus on on going to college. That's not as as stressed. Not that not that people don't want to go to college there, mm-hmm. but it's not as pushed as is. Like that's kind of just an assumption um, here in America. I feel like that's becoming the assumption where it's like now. I feel like on any sort of like resume for um, uh, a pro- for, for most professional jobs these days. Uh, college is now just the new high school level. Like if you don't have, like it, it seems like there's a little less towards just college being that automatic next right. step. Right. Yeah. Cause you and, can break here, off into more focused. Exactly. Paths. Here, here in the Czech Republic, it's, it's pretty much the same. Um, and I think sadly, you mean as like Germany, like and, Germany, and, exactly. Okay. Um, and, and in, in the Czech Republic, just like in Germany, you have to pass an exit exam in order to get into college. So, right. so in Germany, it's called your Abitur. Mm-hmm. Um, in Austria, it's called the Matura. And actually, in the Czech Republic, it's the um, Maturita. So it's pretty similar oh, to the Austrian same word. word. Um, yeah. yeah. And so basically, if you don't have your Abitur or your Matura or Maturita, you can't go to college. You can't go to university and study. Um, but right. I think they have a better distribution here in Europe of... They still do have a shortage of people in technical fields, you know, more like the trades and like more hands-on type of jobs. But I don't think it's as, as bad as in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I knew a couple people in Germany who um, graduated and had a good job and were already, you know, fairly well established by the time they were 19. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can happen. That can happen. Right. But can that wait, what you mean in America, did you say? No, Sorry, in I, Germany. In Germany. Oh, oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Cuz I was to say it can happen in America too, but it seems a little tough like that would be a little tougher in America, mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. But there are some times where it's like if people like there is that like if people go straight to um yeah, I guess it can happen in America too, but I think uh if you, you know, if you graduate from college, then you can you can quickly overlap that. But there is a lot of time where it's like if you know, if you have a friend that didn't go to college and you see how much money they're making mm-hmm. while you're in college or or something like that, or like right after you get out of college, they seem rich, but like then you just like yeah, that, I mean yeah. I think that can happen, but then you can it takes time, but 
That's I guess that's what college is also an investment in your future. Yeah, at least that's what longevity they say. for a longer career. You know, for a longevity of career. The, one of the things I was going to ask you, but now I feel like this is almost a moot point. Mm-hmm. Was do you struggle with achieving a uh, balance between? Well, I can ask you this in general, but do you struggle with achieving a balance between friendship and professionalism with coworkers? Um, so I, I would say I would say ask me. I would say ask me that in maybe a month or two. But, but see, was, this is the weird thing for me, Jared, for my my situation. I'm not that much older than a lot of the students. And so right. And I also introduced myself with my first name, which here in the Czech Republic generally means that you can call me by my first name. And right. the teachers here, they actually will usually call you Mr. <gasps> or Mrs. Teacher. Mr. or Mrs. Teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. or Mrs. Funny. Teacher. Um, and I just I didn't want to do that because in the States, I mean, granted, I was teaching college and university courses, and I feel like there it's also more common to, unless the, you have a PhD or a doctorate, to just go by your first name. I had plenty of PhD teachers that just said, call me by my first well, name. Well. Same here. Same but then here. I had some that were like, no, I'm a professor, blah, blah, blah. Right, or doctor, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Yeah. But um, so so for me, it's I think what's going to be more difficult will be keeping a professional yet also friendship balance with the students. See, when I when I first thought of that question, I was under the impression that you'd be around more coworkers out of your age. But yeah, I mean, th- I mean, but that's that's a much clearer line though with the students, right? Than with than with your coworkers, I think. Right. It's funny because though. We we get told one. You can't thing. really like hang out with your with your students. Like mm-hmm. that's already a no no, right? Um, not not necessarily. Um, really? So so this is also what's interesting. So um, for the teacher training, we were told one thing, which was like, you shouldn't go out and drink with your students. You shouldn't, you know, there are certain things. Obviously, you shouldn't date your students. I'm not really worried about that because I have a girlfriend, so that's not really an issue. Um, But that's standard teacher stuff. Right. Dating your students. But then I talked to. I've drank with professors, though. I have done that. I mean, I have, too. Um, and, and in Germany, I've, I've also had a couple beers with my students before. Um, but what's funny is I talked to the teachers at the school about it. And they said, well, you know, if you want to go to the pub with the students, like you can go to the pub with the students because there's I think here there is a level of trust already that that it seems to me that they they trust that I will be doing the right thing. And, you know, it's if I go if I go to the um, hospoda or the pub uh, free little untranslatable for you. Um, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to be having like six beers and get sloshed. Right. I'm going to have one or two right, beers they, and that, and call it good. You know? Yeah. It's like this treat everyone like adults. It's like, yeah, we, do we, do we have to tell you don't get hammered? I think that's right. Obvious. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but if you, yeah. Or, or, yeah. But yeah, I guess, I mean, that makes sense. I remember the first time I had, um, alcohol with a teacher. Uh, I was, I believe in 10th grade. <laughs> And we had a uh, fr- like a well, it was when I lived in Germany, obviously. Right. And we had like a a, a breakfast in, in our French class with Madame. Uh, should I say her name? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Madame Tres, and uh, <laughs> that was her name. And uh, so we had like cre- crepes, and we had other French stuff. And she brought like uh, like this cider. It was nothing crazy. It's not like we were drinking whiskey, obviously, right. but like. She she uh, had brought like cider that we were drinking and and this was like a morning class too. It was great. I mean, once again, we weren't getting drunk, but there was a little bit where it's like, huh. I mean, I guess this is fine, but this is interesting. Like, I'm in a classroom in a high school right now. Right. 
And uh, it was a delicious breakfast, though. Oh, I bet. And we did. F- we we felt like adults. We're like, oh, you know, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay. Um, and I was going to say different industries have different expectations of professionals. But once again, I for- did not realize that these people were like the professors are older than you. So even though you might say hang out with them at some point or or, or go get a drink or something, you're not like, you know, be- really befriending them like that just because there's uh, the age gap in general. Exactly. exactly. Like you can only it's like we're not going to be hanging out at like. 11 o'clock on a friday <laughs> right not not like hey likely. let's go get some let's go get some beers bro like that's net out of the question already just because these are 40 and 50 year olds with families mm-hmm. okay well uh so you are so you just have to go make real friends then don't you yes sir and work oh, on, and work on my shit. check yep it's slowly so how slowly did, coming along yeah go ahead so before you mentioned that people just got away with not learning english how i mean excuse me Without learning Czech, mm-hmm. now it seems so much harder. At first, I thought there were m- more English-speaking people around. I mean, there are a lot, and I have to say, a lot of the younger people. I would say most people twenty and under speak fairly good English, or they understand a lot. I think the problem is with a lot of the the Czech people I've met. I think they're just very intimidated to be put on the spot and speak to a native speaker. And I'm also curious too, how many times these people have interacted with native speakers. You know, right. if you haven't really left, um, Komotov. Yeah. That's not a giant pop, uh, tourist destination. Right. Exactly. So, so a lot of times I'll ask, you know, in Czech, do you speak English? And, and a lot of people honestly like look a little scared. Like they're like, no, no, well, no. I mean, and they look a little scared. You've mentioned a couple stories where people said no. And then you've later realized that they do. And Perfect, it's usually like, not good per- English, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just they just didn't want to. Uh, it seems like embarrass themselves or something, right? But it's like it's so funny how you're trying not to embarrass yourself while I'm sitting here struggling. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I know nothing. <laughs> I gotta I gotta say though, man. Um, and I may have told uh, told the story on the pod, so if I have, I apologize. But I went into the bank by myself to get my bank card, just to see, you know, see. I don't know if, if you I did. Do I don't know if you did tell that. Okay, so so I'll tell it. So. So in the Czech Republic, the way it works is you go into the bank, you sign all your paperwork, and you get a text message from the bank, um, an SMS for all of our European listeners out there, um, with uh, basically a notification saying your bank card is ready. So I got the text on a Monday. I had a lot of stuff going on on Monday and Tuesday, so I went on Wednesday. I had a little bit more free time. So I went on Wednesday after I got done um, working on some lesson planning, and uh, I went in there and um, I just showed the text message to one of the bank tellers and said the check word for a card, which is um, kartu. And uh, she understood and uh, said a bunch of stuff to me in Czech, which I didn't really understand, just kind of nodded and <laughs> smiled. And then she motioned to like the chair to take a seat. So I took a seat and then she came back and she couldn't find my my car, Cal- my card, my kartu. Yep. I and can't so roll. Um, right. And so she couldn't find it. And then she asked me, um, if I had a picture of my passport and I didn't have it on me, but thankfully for all your travelers out there, keep a picture on your phone or on your email. So I pulled one up on my phone and showed it to her and then she found it. Then I had to go to this other bank teller. That is a good tip. It, it is. Yeah. I think I have a picture of my email somewhere. Maybe. You right. know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would keep one on your phone or in your email somewhere just because, yeah, you never know when you're going to need it. Um, but yeah, probably come in 
huge handy if you ever lose your passport too to have your passport exactly. number handy like that. Yep, and I've I've made a couple copies as well just in case anything were to happen. Of course you um, have. Right. I'm You tra- probably have them like scattered or you probably have them scattered around like your Jason Bourne or something. Right? For sure. You know it. You know it got Chad's one hidden the, in the ceiling. Uh, Jason tile. Bourne of Chad's the Jason Bourne of worrying. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <clears throat> that airport uh, that I might never go to might need a backup passport. Exactly. Anyway, Exactly. So, so I, so then I had to go to a different bank teller to sign the documents saying I had the card and I go up there and she says all these things to me in Czech. And then I ask her, which is Czech for, do you speak English? Also, mm-hmm. it's the formal. I should, I should, I should just make that a drop. Right. <laughs> and, oh, uh, okay. I need to write that down. <laughs> 56th minute, Jared. Say Wait, say it one more time. Clean. Mluvete there we go. All right. And, uh, and of course, she says ne, which is Czech for no. And I'm like, uh-oh. And I go, Deutsch? And she's like, ne. <laughs> and I'm like, Deutsch? And I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to be interesting. And then, thankfully, this other younger bank teller kind of heard me. And she walked over and sat down next to her. And she said, don't worry, I'll translate for you. So she was a lifesaver. I wish oh, I would have got her name because I would have yeah. given her that a shout have been out. Our, that that would have been the shout out of the pod. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, but yeah, all I had to do was sign, sign uh, um, you know, the seat saying this sheet, sorry, uh, that I was, you know, taking my bank card and everything else. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I also deposited some check crowns into my bank account so it wouldn't be completely empty. Um, but yeah, but I still, even though... Even though the girl was there helping me translate, um, there were a couple moments before she got there where they were speaking a lot of Czech, and I did pick up bits and pieces of it and kind of knew what they meant. A lot of times what I've noticed is I, based on the context, I can kind of guess and extrapolate what they kind of mean usually, mm-hmm. and then it's all right, but it's going to take me another month or two until my check gets decent enough where I can really understand stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, man. But do do you do you uh, is there if there's not a level of comfort that's come with the with the language quite yet, are you at least gaining a level of comfort with knowing that you're qu- constantly going into situations where you're where you're not sure how the like oh yeah how even for the, sure how the, even the simplest for sure interaction might go. <laughs> it's and and now it's funny. The you're f- just like, well, fuck it, let's see what happens, <laughs> it, dude. That is my mindset right there because I can't. I mean, many friggies. We've been saying it for, for exactly, weeks exactly. now at this point. Months, I would say. Right? Like, I just don't, uh, I don't get stressed about it. It's weird. The first week and a half, I, I noticed I was really stressed about it. Like, of course, yeah, you're like, oh, God, I hope they understand me. I don't, right? I, I, if I don't sound like an idiot or like. And, and now, exactly. Now I'm just kind of like, well, well, let's just see what happens. I think that's, I mean, that uh, that's the first step to learning the language too. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. I think not only is that the first step to just, I mean, it's just the comfort level. Like, you know what? I'm like, yeah, I'm, it's either go into situations where I'm uncomfortable or just never leave the house. So exactly. Those are the two options. <laughs> but see, it's also bad because like my, my, my apartment's pretty nice. So I could just post up and just chill in my apartment. It's way but. too big. Like it is way too big for, uh, for someone that is just like. In a situation like you, where you're living abroad for ten months, yeah, you should hey, be living I'm, in like a studio with like a right. Well, well, it's funny. I was talking to a couple of my colleagues at the school, and they said, um, although yeah, by the way, your refrigerator is a, a you do you have that gigantic apartment, and then you have essentially a college fridge yeah. for your refrigerator. Yeah, but that's all right. I mean, it. I you know, 
I think it's actually good. I'm not uh, uh, overeating here, so I can't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's try that diet out, right? <laughs> the college fridge diet. Anyway, sorry, you were talking exactly. to someone. Um, and and she said she was like, uh, one of my colleagues said, yeah, you're actually really lucky you're not living in the the like the student boarding school housing because I would be in a small room. I don't even know if I would have a hot like plate. a dorm. Yeah, basically like a dorm. And I'm not going to lie, Jared, I am not trying to go back to that dorm life anytime soon. No, no, you're an adult. We were just talking about how uh, we're no longer in our earlier mid-20s. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we are adults, and we can no longer... I'm done sleeping on an extended twin bed. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no more extended twins. Exactly. Uh, well, Jared, should we get to get our topic? Out of here. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That's our new shirt. Full beds or get out of here. <laughs> At least full beds. I have a queen bed, by the way. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I have a twin right now, though. So. Uh, oh, do you? Yeah. That's unfortunate. Well, it's all right. Actually, it's it's not. I, I thought it wasn't going to be super comfortable because a lot of these European beds have like wood underneath them. I've right. gotten pretty used to it now. I've been sleeping yeah. like a rock the last couple of days. Well, there you go. Yeah, let's talk about let's let's. I'm glad you're comfortable. Uh, let's talk about uh, why you're so comfortable as a teacher. Oh, all right. Yeah, see what well, I just did. There? I, I did. That was a good transition. <laughs> First, before we get into that, I do want to um, give our listeners a little perspective. One about, I guess, myself, and two, Please, yes. and, and two also the difference between ESL and EFL, and also just an English teacher in general. So, first of all, my background. Um, I studied at Michigan State University in East Lansing, Michigan, um, finished in May, I guess technically with my thesis in August of uh, 2018, um, and uh, studied TESOL, which stands for Teaching English to Speakers of Other Languages. You'll also hear sometimes TESOL, um, which I think that's also just teaching English I'm not sure. That's, yeah, I was going to say, that seems like the TESOL, that seems like, there's that could TESOL be the and exact TESOL. same... Uh, um, Tesla is, um, I think Tesla Tesla. is teaching Tesla English is Tesla's, um... to speakers, but see, yeah, it's that other languages right here. So, well, so there's a couple different like terms they throw around. So, so you have, um, TEFL, T-E-F-L, which is teaching English as a foreign language. Okay. Ah, and then duh. And then TESL is like ESL, which is TESL teaching English as a second language. Are those two different things? Yes, and I will get into those in just a second. And then TESOL is teaching English to speakers of other languages. So really, TEFL basically, or EFL, if you take off the T and you have EFL, that's English as a foreign language. So that means you teach English in a country where English is not the um, official language or the native language of people, right? So if I move to China or Japan and teach English, I'm a TEFL teacher. If I move to Germany, I'm a TEFL teacher. Um, and then TESOL and TESOL um, are used more so like in the United States and the UK and countries where it is the native language, teaching English so as a second That's language. more teaching teaching foreigners how to speak English in, in the country, in an English-speaking country. Right. And I do have and to say— And the other say, one is more like teaching in like high school to kids how to speak well, I wouldn't, English. Well, I wouldn't necessarily differentiate the schools per se— um, right. Okay. That's not. Yeah. That's not fair. That's not fair. Right. Yeah. But I. I will. I will say. To me, it seems the difference of Tesol and Tesol is um, where you're located. Um, not. I think Tesol is just more broad, teaching English to speakers of other languages, whereas 
Tessel is teaching English as a second language. So, so the only really big difference here is with Tessel, we're assuming that they maybe only speak one language, right? But if you just say speakers okay, okay. of other languages versus second language, it's a, it's just slightly different. You know, it's different wording. Um, so, mm-hmm. go ahead. Um, sorry, uh, all this Tessel and Tefl talk is making me about almost pass out. Um, <laughs> you've almost you've also excuse me also taught German as well, right? Yes, and that would be uh, German as a foreign language. Okay, just and that's like because you're teaching to mm-hmm. like, that's because you're teaching to Americans because you're teaching German to people in. A different country, not exactly. not in Germany. Exactly. Yes. Um, do you have a preference between teaching English to foreign people or foreign people teaching English as a foreign language or teaching German as a second language or as a foreign language or teaching English as a second language? Tessel, Tefl, German. Okay. Well, I would I would actually put believe it or not I would actually put English and German right about on the same level. I really okay. enjoy teaching both of them. To be honest, at, at pretty much the same level, um, it's just a little different teaching your native language versus teaching a language you learned, because I feel like I can explain German grammar much better than I can English grammar, for example. Because it was explained to you. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But in English, you just yeah learned. Right. And I, and I've speaking. taken and I've taken courses about teaching grammar, and so I feel much more confident now. But but before I took all these courses in how to teach grammar. Um, for English, I'm not so sure I would have been successful at trying to explain grammar concepts to students. But I also am a firm believer as well that um, you don't need a ton of grammar knowledge to become proficient in a language. I think for reading and writing, it helps, especially writing. But I think over time, if you get enough input in in the target language... Um, what do you mean input? Input, uh, we discussed this way earlier on when we started the pod, Jared. I'm, I'm I'm a little surprised you don't. I don't remember. listen to anything you said. Uh, that's true. <laughs> as soon as I, with the episode's over, I lose forget everything you that's just right. said to me. That's that's how you keep your brain fresh for our next episodes. It'd be too much <laughs> info otherwise. But no. So what input is is basically like exposure to the target language, whether it's through listening, right. reading, television, whatever. You know, your teacher talking to you. So so you mm. don't think you need to be fluent to be able to teach German. Like you could have started teaching before you were No, no, no. What German. I'm saying is the students don't need to know a bunch of grammar in order oh. to become proficient. I think it helps, but I don't think I think some people put too much emphasis on grammar teaching. Is basically what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. I mean, especially when it's taught like for example, learning the language a foreign language in America. Mm-hmm. It's I feel like it's more grammar than it is speaking. Right. And and actually and, one and, distinction I also want to make with um English as a foreign language, EFL versus ESL. Um I think EFL you can maybe focus a little bit more on the grammar because you don't need it to survive in the country. But with ESL, right. if you're living in the United States or Canada or the UK, you can't you don't have time to waste teaching all the grammar people need to figure out how to go get groceries exactly. and, stuff and live a exactly. life exactly <laughs> so there there's exactly so the, the content i think is a little different the objectives the aim of that that's how i picked up mm-hmm. german so fast as i said before it's because yeah i i was taking french for years but in germany it was either like you know it was like this is learn how to order food because um you're going to be living here for the next you know exactly it's like learn how to do like very basic things and then you I, and then the grammar kind of came, you know, simultaneously, I guess. But definitely speaking, it was was 
was just the uh, the focus because like I'm just trying to get around. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so you had asked me about German EFL or ESL. I also have to throw a disclaimer out there that I have more experience teaching ESL because I taught while I was doing than German n- n- ESL, my man. English is a second language. Yeah, no, I'm saying you said you have more experience teaching that than German. No, 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 than EFL. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, so like, I have probably the most experience teaching German. I have about, I guess, four, four and a half years of teaching German under my belt. And then I have about two, two and a half years of, of um, ESL, English as a second language, under my belt. I volunteered at the uh, Refugee Center in Lansing. That was a great experience. Oh, cool. Um and then I was uh, also a speaking and listening teacher um, for one semester for the English Language Center um, at Michigan State University. I also worked um, for graduate school at Michigan State. We also had to do a teaching practicum where we taught this really fun, um, basically English conversation class. So I taught advanced students. Practicum is German for internship. Right. Um, but I think we also use it in the States now because, I mean, that's that's the oh. word they used. Um it was the the TESOL practicum is what it was called. Um, the first time I heard practicum was in Germany. Right. And also, I was that there. I guess mm-hmm. 11 when I moved to Germany. So. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so so really, this is my first experience teaching EFL. So English is okay. a foreign language. So I'll let you know after the 10 months. Um, right. I think it will be a lot different. Um just because and these people but these people aren't starting from zero no no they seem so far the students i've already spoken with have been very proficient um yeah good good english um also like accent wise very comprehensible um so yeah it'll be an interesting year i do you think that makes it easier or harder to than than if they were um more at a bit lower stage rather than already being conversational i think it just depends on what you're trying to teach them so what are you trying to teach them? I'm trying to teach them. Well, basically what, what my goal is here is to teach them basically what the other English teachers here can't, which is more American English. Uh, <laughs> homie. Right. Exactly. <laughs> good old American English. I also just want them to build their confidence with um, speaking English in a conversational manner. Um, oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's more fun. Exactly. Than, uh, that's yeah. exactly. So, so I'm looking forward to my my. 10 so it'll be here. more of a conversational class than like yes. uh, the past participle. Which is nice because the, uh, I've also done a lot more with speaking and listening, and uh, I think that also brings my music background into it a little bit too, which is really nice. What? Um, oh yeah, because I guess part of making them, you know, giving them that conversational is giving them. Uh, different medias to listen to, different inputs, mm-hmm. as they mm-hmm. say in the teacher game. Right. <laughs> uh, so what? 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 What do you? What? Did you, when did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Like, when did you decide teacher was the lifestyle for you? Well, do do you want the cliche answer or do you want the? I want the real answer, whatever that well, is. Well, I would say. Well, let me put it this way: I think my interest really started when I was about fourteen. And I was giving a lot of uh, kids guitar lessons. I really enjoyed teaching guitar. And what really is one of the coolest moments as a teacher is when your student has either has that aha moment where they Mm -hmm. either understand something they couldn't understand or also just when you see your students progress and learn. Um, 
It's just an I've seen my feeling. piano teacher uh, get excited when I have those aha See? Moments. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's to that to me is what make what really makes teaching worth it. If you can make a positive mm-hmm. impact on a few students, I think it's truly worth it. Obviously, I would love to make an impact on all of my students, but some of them might not care, some of them might not find it useful, some of them might not find it interesting. You know, you can't please everybody. Do you ever find yourself struggling to get a student on your side because you know there's some goodness behind that uh, rough exterior? Not. <laughs> I make it sound like I, it's like I, movies. I mean, from not, the 80s. knock on knock on wood. <laughs> I've had I've had mostly all of my students so far have been very, very good at participating. They've been engaged in the lessons. I think <laughs> Chad Wonder Teacher. Well, right I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I mean, I have to say, I think some of it though too is I really try to not necessarily do a very strong teacher-centered approach, which basically means you have, you know, there are many different theories of teaching. Um, And actually my quote of the pod um, is taken from a guy who's very important to um, 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 the reform of teaching. But anyways, exactly. And we'll get there. But uh, I love those drops, by the way. But, um, (laughs) but the thing, the thing is with teaching, it's, if you if you do it teacher centered, which is more the old school, I lecture you the whole time you take notes. To me, that just is too boring. I would rather have a student centered approach where I facilitate, especially in a conversation class. I want to facilitate the conversations. You know, if I have usually in the Czech Republic, the average class size for conversation classes is about fifteen. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can do uh, you know some groups of three, some groups of five, pretty easy. And if I if I had a teacher center classroom, I would be the only one talking the whole time. They'd just be sitting and listening. That's not how you learn how to you know become a good conversationalist. You have to have a lot of conversations. So I tried to really take a very student centered approach with my teaching, and give the students the freedom and the opportunity to use the language. Um, also, if they don't know words, to ask their peers for help before asking me. Because I think there's a misconception mm-hmm. a lot of times with teachers where people think we're just a walking dictionary, especially language teachers. And we are not walking I mean, I think you're a walk. I think you're a walking dictionary. I always ask you obscure words. It's like, you're the German teacher. You should right. know this word. It's like, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know how to say uh, support beam. <laughs> Sorry. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, but uh, so, geez, I, oh, before I went on that tangent, I had a question. I remember what it was mm-hmm. now. So this is your first time teaching T- TFL, T-E-F-L. E-F-L. E-F-L, T-F-L would right. be the okay. teaching part of it, but yeah, E-F-L. Right, that's like mm-hmm. saying, that's like saying ATM machine. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. So um, do your, if, do your inputs, I'm, I'm, I, I could totally fit in at a teacher party. Well, I mean, but, but before dip- you before you go too far, it's just input. You use it as a singular. Now, even if I'm talking about different, like varying inputs, could, like TV or music, I would say, or, yeah, varying it's all input. input. Mm-hmm. That's how okay. I would say that. But yeah, does your uh, what I say? So does I don't say do your input. Does yeah, we just use it usually okay. in singular. Mm-hmm. Does your, okay, thanks. Now you'll really <laughs> fit in the teacher like parties, <laughs> right? I'm just trying to help a brother out. Does your input vary? Um, between like the TES or excuse me, the ESL and the EFL, I would say. Well, I would yeah, say yes. I, I would and, say input recommendations. I would say yes and no because in uh, in an EFL context, you don't have as many opportunities to just pull things from wherever, right? Like if I'm walking down the street in the United States, 
I see a funny poster. I can take a picture of it and show it to my class, right? That's input. Right. Uh, do you want me to uh, do that? Yes, for sir. You? Yes, I do. I can send you All pictures right. of. Uh, Perfect. But whereas EFL, because I'm in the Czech Republic and the main language here is Czech, there's not a lot of English around me. So what I have to do is just you know scour the internet and find you know different types of input that I can give to the students, whether it's me me speaking. Um, you know, news broadcasts or, or YouTube videos would you sh- or would you show them things like, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like a clip from rush hour two or something like sure. that. If it, yeah. If it has so, something to do with you're the trying lesson. to like normalize them to like American English. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of like, right. you know, typical, like popular culture things that everyone would be like, this is how not black people talk, but like, this is popular American slang or right. whatever. Well, I have used, uh, it's not how black people talk, by the way. Don't ever, <laughs> <laughs> right. I have used Trevor Noah clips in my ESL classes in the States. Okay. Okay. So why, why, why him? What, what about his clips? Beca- well, one, they're funny. I, I, two, right. I just love Trevor Noah. And okay. three, he talks about a lot of interesting things about culture that can pushing your uh, liberal propaganda on the students. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But uh, but yeah. So so for me, it's important to find materials and, and you know use different media that will get the students excited, get the students laughing. You know, um, right. I, I think it's very important to to have language. The whole language learning process should be a fun. And kind of creative thing, right? I think people people sometimes say, oh, well, you can't say it this way. You can't say it that way. But I think that in general, mm-hmm. that what you said, those are like two, as I think you mentioned this a second ago, like two different mindsets to teaching. Because mm-hmm. I think that what you're saying also is the antithesis to like that lecture style. Right. So, yeah, you, there are definitely two, like two, even though there are many different styles of teachers, I feel like once you're, Walking into that door, you're there's a fork. We're either going to be like lecturing or more conversational. Like that's at least the first step you have to figure out. Oh, without out. a like, doubt. But I guess it also depends on what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be conversational. I mean, are there lecturer Germans like teachers? I mean, I'm sure there are, but I feel like that's a hard thing. Or language teaching in general, it's hard to be a lecture style because the whole point of learning a language is by having people speak it. So you need other people to at least reply to you somehow. Well, I would say it depends on the level of the language class and also the content, right? So if you're taking a German literature course, they're right. going to lecture you probably, and then there might be a discussion, but a lot but of it will be lecture. You, but, but the lecture should be in German. It's right. assumed that you know the language well enough to at least. Right. Ex- exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. fair. That's fair. You know, and, and so, so it just depends. You know, if you're taking, you know, I'll be teaching some, some technical topics in English, and some of that I might have to lecture a little bit, but the ideal, cl- well, here, let me ask you, Jared, so you can fit in even more in some cool teacher parties, because we throw the best parties, by the <laughs> way, if you didn't know. I've actually been to a good amount of teacher parties. Well, high school, okay. like they're high school teachers. I haven't been what to high do school you think? Uh, what do you think <laughs> is the ratio of the teacher uh-huh. speaking to the student speaking? In an ideal classroom, what would you say is the percentage? Ooh. Ooh, 50-50? No, not at all. No. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, 60-40? Teacher, student? So the teacher speaks 60% of the time, the students speak 40? Yeah. Okay, not quite. Am I going in the right direction, nope. or is it the other, other way. way? Really? I would say, 30, yeah. 30 teachers, 70 students? I would say that's your ideal, but... 
Dang. But I'll also toss another. That seems tough to do. It is. It is. And and as you know, I really like to talk. So it's not always easy sometimes. Right. But right. I would say, yeah, in an ideal classroom, it would be 30% teacher, 70% student. Um, but it also depends on the level and it depends on the classes you're taking, right? Um, because if you're doing like a grammar class, that's going to be different. If you're doing a reading or writing class, that's going to be different. Um, if you're also teaching beginners who don't, who haven't had a lot of input in the past and who don't have enough just language knowledge yet, you can't expect them to speak 70% of the time. It's just not realistic. Um, right. Another question. Mm-hmm. What do you wear? When I teach? Also, what are you wearing right now? I can see, but no, I wear a tank top yeah, what do and you wear? gym shorts when I teach. No. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you are trying to come off as the cool conversational teacher. Hey, I'm Chad. Hey, Chad. Is that how I sound? I really hope I Sup, kids? I hope I don't sound like that. Pop, kick flip in with your Ooh, skateboard. that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> Bring my guitar. I'm just one of the kids. Bring my electric guitar yes. and some sunglasses on. I'm one of the school of rock oh, now. Oh, <laughs> yes. That'd be great. That's also a great movie. You could totally teach them, though, with like impromptu songs. That is a method. It worked at School of Rock. I saw the movie a lot of Me times. Too. And those kids loved it. And they learned something. I'm here to tell you, Jared, I've used music in a lot of German and English classes. And the students do love it. You've brought your guitar into class? Um, I have for English classes, yeah. I taught my students okay. how to write a 12-bar... ESL? ESL, yeah. I taught my students okay. how to write a 12-bar blues. Yeah? The chord progression? No, the lyrics. They had to write the 12-bar blues, oh, and uh, I just played the... Dun, 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 right, right. The, the blue, right. typical blues kind of... Sometimes when, I, when I'm practicing and, I, uh, and I'm sick of playing the same thing over and over again, it's nice to break it up and like, uh, like improvise for a right. bit. That's a nice. That's a nice activity to do in general. Mm-hmm. Every time, from time to time. I and know. who knows? But it's also great to get your mind off of like right, for, uh, you know, lists. Exactly. That exactly. I'm trying to learn. Who knows though, man? I mean, I might. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually planning on buying an acoustic guitar in Prague. Um, I'm going there in a in a week. The carbon fiber one. Uh, no, no, no that's too expensive. Um, although right, that'd right. be a great guitar, we'll but this. yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think that's a great way to, to do it. Um, but no, your question, your original question before we got on this crazy tangent. I was about to ask you another question. Uh, I thought um, I hadn't asked you anything um, yet. <laughs> was what do I wear? My rule of thumb, oh, right. my rule of thumb when I teach is, is a collar. So collar. Okay. And then, you know, either, either slacks, khakis. A priest collar. Yes. A priest collar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Call me exactly. father. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so I have a couple button downs here, a couple polos, um, but it seems like you know when I when I went and met a lot of the teachers here, it doesn't seem like there's a super standard dress code. I saw some teachers who were dressed very nicely, and other teachers who I kid you not were wearing just like a regular t-shirt and jeans. I feel like that's part of the uh, secular lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Is they're less connected to this fake formality that that I think uh, that I think is strong and not just America. Uh, but definitely in America, like this, um, I'd say almost uh, quote unquote fake formality is what I call it, where it's like you have, you have these set guidelines at jobs mm-hmm. and stuff and dress codes. It's like, well, what's this, who's this button down for really? Mm-hmm. It's like, who, why do I, who, who, is, who are these black leather shoes for? And why, right. why do you, uh, but I will tell you, why, I will tell you that I prefer wearing something with a collar when I teach because it kind of puts me in the right mindset. If I walked in in a t-shirt or a tank top, I would not feel regular. That's fair. And that being said, I'm also someone that tends to uh, 
slightly dress over in any job I'm at in anyway. Right. So I'm also speaking as someone that is not like, but uh, yeah, no, but I, I do think that a lot of it is, is I was like, we can drop some of these, these, these formality rules that we've had for so long. I, th- I, I think, think I think it'll change in our lifetime for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's happening, but it's I still, I still think even if it was accept- acceptable to, Wear a t-shirt and like shorts. I would still probably be wearing a button either. down and, and slacks or something. Yeah. No, I I actually would feel kind of uncomfortable wearing a like a t-shirt to work for mm-hmm. sure. Right. Um, but I also work. A lot I will be wearing my situation. my dark jeans though on Fridays. Okay, but still a collar. <laughs> Got to have that collar. So, um, who are, what are, who are your, some of your go to English uh, input? What do you What do you mean? Who is some of your go-to American input? Oh, you said Trevor Noah. We already talked about this. I already asked. Level preference in English? Do you have a level preference? Uh, um, Like, where do you want the students to be at as far as their proficiency? I mean, I would say it's... I have more experience teaching advanced learners. And with it... So people that already have a base of of English. Not only a base, but I mean, they're proficient. Conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, And that's just nice because you... I mean, to be honest with you, it's less... It's less work. It's less um, scaffolding. That makes sense. And sca- less, scaffolding less. is a term we use in teaching that basically just means grasping for straws. Uh, <laughs> well, well, no. So scaffolding is basically when you, yeah, you have to basically give the students extra support. And you know, if you think of a painter and a scaffold, right. like you know, it's there to support the students. <laughs> Whereas, I'm gonna be so cool at the next teacher right? party I go to. Right. But yeah. So so that's just what. You know, what I prefer, I guess, is, is more advanced learners. But I have also taught beginners. And beginners are a lot of fun, but you have to really adjust the way you talk, right? So, so when I teach beginners, I have to talk very slowly, very clearly. I try to enunciate everything, even though that's not really how we talk normally. Right. But right. I would rather give them a good base than go in and, and try to teach them things that, that is above their level. You know, right. But then, in, like in the class that you're in right now, you're not gonna spoon feed the language to them. You're not gonna talk talk uh, like "hello, welcome." No, Mm-mm. because their yeah. English is good enough. And they're yeah. going to understand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like teaching someone Guten Tag when they've been learning German for like six years. Yeah, it, yeah, it makes no sense. Um, have you heard of the term modeling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I try to do a lot of modeling in my teaching because I think it. It makes a lot of wow. activities uh, move uh, a lot more smoothly. Chad's a professional. I, I, I would hope so. After after two master's <laughs> degrees, man, if I'm not, I, yeah. I've been doing some things seriously wrong. Well, explain modeling. So, so what, modeling. What, because that is also teacher lingo, I assume. Oh, yeah. You, dude, you, I, I'm going to have to bring you all my teacher parties now. But uh, <laughs> So modeling is basically. Chad doesn't like to bring me to parties for a host of reasons. Exactly. So now I can finally get it's in. That, it's that Nike hoodie, man. It's that Nike hoodie. Um, <laughs> Your friends wouldn't allow right, it. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, let's burn that. <laughs> no, please. Oh, man. Oh, man. Sadly, I have a couple of friends from my hometown that might actually have that reaction, unfortunately. But uh, uh, anyways. Um, so, so I did have some friends like that. Let's put it that right, way. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> They're never going to listen right. to this. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. But yeah, so modeling is when you you know, show or tell the students basically how how to do something, right? So if I was giving you an activity in class, I would maybe call on you and you would be student A and I would be student B 
and I would show them how to like, maybe you have to fill out a chart or maybe you have to, you know, what, whatever the activity or the task is, right? Maybe I give you a list of apartments and their price and the amenities and things, and you have to have a discussion with your partner and come to an agreement on which apartment you want to rent, right? So I would model okay. the conversation a little bit, try to use okay. language that, you know, the students should be trying to use, um, things like that. So that's basically modeling. And I think how much mm-hmm. must I pay monthly? Exactly. Exactly. Something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, a good foreign language Great student. student, Jared. You'd be getting a four point in my class. Uh, <laughs> uh, check for understanding, of course. Mm-hmm. Is there a sort of like a constant reinforcing you have to do? Like a uh, like like is I'm sure, especially uh, now that I'm starting to understand the Czech culture a little mm-hmm. bit. I feel like you're going to have to constantly be like, are you with me? Are you with me? Because it seems like they're ones, at least, I mean, it's a classroom, so they should know that this is the place to ask questions. But at least from what I've heard in your daily uh, interactions where it's a lot of like, yeah, no, it's just, let's just go with it. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that can be a double-edged sword because you can ask your students, do you understand me? Are you with me? And... They might say yes, even though they're not. So the way that I have right. tried to figure this out. But you also have to believe them, I guess, if they're actually saying right. yes. Right, exactly. And mean Exactly, it. but I usually try, I feel like after these, you know, four years of teaching, I become a pretty good face reader and body language reader. So I can usually tell if a student might be a little lost or a little confused. And they may not say it, but I, you know, can tell. And then I mm-hmm. might either, you know, after the class is over. Single them out. <laughs> right. Single them out. <laughs> you over there, tell me what the definition of this is. <laughs> exactly. No, I try to uh, I try to either, you know, um, have a classmate explain it to them when they're doing group work or talk to them after class, things like that. And so it's really, I think, as, as a teacher, I think a, a, a lot of people ask, you know, and I even ask too. You know, do, do you guys understand? Is everything clear? Um, but I've had students in the past where I've asked, is everything clear? And then I could tell when they started to work on the activity, everything was not clear. So that's right. not always really a good rule of thumb. I would rather just have the students try to do the activity or the task. And then if I know it's they're struggling, that's when I either go and help them. Or a lot of times I think it's sometimes even better to have their peers ask them or to ask a peer and have right. the peers help them. That's what, and, and that's what, um, you know, we've said this before, but that's what I liked when, once we studied abroad in Austria, then after, and we would talk German together, is that we would talk, but you, you know, obviously were a little more advanced than I would, so you would, like, correct me in conversation mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. I felt like and a dick just, doing it, but I still did it. I loved it, though. I mean, that was, I, I, I think that was a perk of, the, of us being able to, because then we, we would still talk normally. Mm-hmm. But uh, you just you just slightly correct a thing or two. I'm like, oh, thanks. Right. Yeah, it's like I I appreciate. But see, it. that's the other, and I think that it it helps when it's coming in conversation mm-hmm. and from your peer rather than exactly. Your and that's the other thing that I still need to really hash out with my students is how do you want to be corrected? Because there there are a lot of different ways you can correct students. I mean, the, the I would say the worst way to do it is to obviously put them on the spot and just be like, that's wrong. That is. In my book, one of the worst ways um, to correct your students because it's not helpful. 
you know, it kills their confidence. And making mistakes is part of the process. Exactly, also. exactly. And so it's like you ha- you're going to have to make so, mistakes. So, so one point. thing that I try to do with my teaching is what they call recasting. Here's another another fancy term you can use. <laughs> so recasting is basically when. So if you if if you were one of my students and I said, oh Jared, what did you do this weekend? And you said, I I I go to the movie theaters. I would go, oh okay. So you went to the movie theater. What movie did you see? Yeah, you did that in German mm-hmm. too. You did that same thing in exactly. German. Exactly. Because that's better than yeah. me being like, no, it's not goad. That's wrong. It's went. Because right. It, it, right. Just repeat the sentence to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Which is also a classic interview technique when someone's interviewing that's true. you. And you need, to, you need some time. Mm-hmm. Very true. Just repeat the question. And I also think too, it's some students don't even realize that they're being corrected. But they hear it in the correct way, so they're getting that input. So yes. it's still very useful. Yes, uh, it doesn't feel like a correction. Right. It's, it's just uh, right. And, and this is because that could be a normal conversational way to exactly. talk. Exactly. Even if you weren't correcting. Exactly. Someone. That's a good point. And the other thing I also try to do, too, sometimes is if I notice something that many students are doing wrong, right? Like an issue for a lot of language learners in the beginning when they learn English is the third person S on verbs, right? So he runs, he has. That's a tough one. I mean, because there's so many random words that don't follow right. that. Right, exactly. And so w- when I would notice that a lot of students were making this error, um, instead of just correcting them 100 times at the end of class, I would say, okay, you know, so I noticed that, you know, some of you are having trouble with this. Just try to remember you know, and then, then I would try to give them lots of examples. So once again, give them lots of input, give them examples. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it to me, it, it's it's not worth my time to single out students. It makes them feel bad. It, it doesn't make me feel good as a teacher. Um, so, yeah. So I think recasting is important. Another especially when they already have a base. Right. And another another too. thing a teacher told me that I really liked um, this sounds like a lot of work, but I'm going to try it and see. Um, this was at a workshop I was at, and one of the use Instagram, uh, right? Use Instagram exactly. No, um, <laughs> I thought I wasn't. I told myself I wasn't going to bring that up this episode. Although to be fair, now that I think about it, timing wise, people have. Uh, I hope you enjoy those pictures from Kumatov, uh, because we had Jeff on and we talked about um, his time at Kumatov in Prague. Sorry. So I take that back. I didn't mean to. Uh, throw, throw pictures me, have been put up. under the bus. Anyways, yeah. Um, so another thing though that a teacher told me at a workshop, which I thought was a great idea, um, or as the Brits would say, brilliant, um, was you just have a notepad and you keep a note of the students' errors throughout the class. And when I say throughout mm-hmm. the class, I don't mean throughout the semester. I mean throughout that hour, right? <laughs> right. Um, and so then afterwards, you just at the end of class, you put your post-it note on their table. And they just read it and take it home oh, with them. So I might try that and see how it works. Um, that does seem like a lot of work, yeah. though, because... Wait, so you have a post-it note for each student? Yeah, and you just kind of do it on because the Because you're fly. not taking notes in a notebook. Right. You have... Because then you'd have to rewrite right. a post-it note for every student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or not every student, but for a certain amount of students. Right. That does seem like a lot of work, but that does seem... Uh, and that'll be like a little tips for you, uh, a little personalized tips. It seems like a lot of work, but it seems... Like it could be worth in the, the sense work. Of, of, and it definitely seems like in the sense of showing that you're involved with the, with the students, mm-hmm. that's a great way to show that you're involved. I mean, oh, it's absolutely. like, wow, this teacher actually paid attention to like those little things that I didn't even notice. And right. then, yeah, exactly. That's nice of you. So you mentioned, um, well, I mentioned, uh, the, the, uh, oh no, you did the apartment thing. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so you're doing so because these are people that are more advanced, you're giving them more realistic topics than if you were like a uh, beginner. Right. Uh huh. So what's what are some other topics like some other role play uh, ideas that you'd have? Let's role play a little bit. How about you and I do a, do an example of one? That's not a part. Oh, man, you're putting me on, you're putting a little me on r- the spot here. Um, <laughs> well, well, I mean, one of one of the activities I want to do with the with the students is uh, this isn't really a role play, but I bring in or I display pictures on a PowerPoint about myself. And then I have the students try to discuss with each other and figure out what the pictures mean. Why did I pick them? Or, you know, you can also mm. do this. So there's going to be a picture of me. I oh, assume. for sure. Picture of you. There's probably <laughs> going to be a guitar on there. There's going to be a picture of Michigan. Well, that's probably his lover of some sort. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Correct. So, so yeah. So that's, um, that's one activity I have in mind. Another one that I want to try, which I think could either be great or just be an epic fail, would be um, having the students Hashtag ask me anything. Kind of like a in-person Reddit, ask me anything. Oh, that could go so, that could only go great. Uh, <laughs> if you do that, I please, I, I want to recap I'll, that. I'll let you know without a doubt, for sure. I mean, do, do you have to have faith in your students that they're not going to like ask you some degenerate questions? I'm, and how, and are you going to stick to that AMA, to the AMA rules? If they ask you, you're going to answer the question. I'm going to answer them. If they ask me, I'm going to answer them. I need to hear about All this. All right, I'll let you know. To all our listeners out there, Man, stay tuned. Polyglot Con, AMA. Yep. Uh, untranslatable AMA. <clears throat> Don't, no, that's not going to be a thing. Don't ask me anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much what's been going on. And uh, it's, I, I have to say, though, man, it I am so fortunate to work as an ESL and an EFL teacher because it's, yes, sometimes it's a lot of work, but it is such a great job. I mean, really, I cannot complain. Right, right. I mean, and and uh, it's and it's something you've wanted to do for a while. You've always been. I remember even when we were studying abroad. You always talked about the main goal is to get back to you know either Germany or Europe in general to teach over there. And here I am. So it worked out. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. This is life, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, this has all been very useful. I, I feel like I've had a. This is. Yeah, I might name this episode. Um, uh, TSL slash TFL 101 or something. Oh, like that, that would have been a way better title. I mean, I, I can still do it. The episode hasn't been that's put true. out yet. The intro will be a little little different, but that's okay. Is it, should you want it to be ESL or TESL? Uh, I still haven't fully. Um, just do, just do, do TESOL 101. How about that? TESOL 101? No, do no, That's no, no. Do, do, do Tefl <laughs> slash Tessel 101. Okay. I've never heard Tefl or Tessel. I've only Tefl heard is teaching ESL. English as a foreign language. No, I know that. Now. Right. Well, see, you learned something new. Okay. Sorry about You're that. Good. That was some behind the scenes for the people right, right. there. Yes, sir. Um, so I'm trying to think if I have any more questions because I... I feel like I overprepared for this episode now because I'm. I didn't think you'd yammer on for so long. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I love you know kidding. I love teaching, so I'm good at yammer. So, um, homework assignments. What kind of homework assignments do you give in in this kind of situation? 
What, what, what do they bring you back as a, do they write papers? No, no, no. What, so, and this is also why it's, it's going to be a bit of adjustment going from an ESL context, English as a second language in the States, to an EFL context, English as a foreign language English is, in the Czech Republic, because... English is... T- home, uh, uh, homework's probably easier in the first... Exactly, one, like the exactly. So, so when I was teaching ESL classes at Michigan State and also at Jackson uh, College, what I would do is I would, um, I would give the students, you know, a lot of times I would try to give them real-world tasks. So I would say, okay... Like, for example, when I was at MSU, um, we had a little unit on small talk. So, too bad our podcast... And conversational taboo. Right? Too bad too bad our <laughs> podcast wasn't out then. I would have assigned that to him for homework, for listening homework. But, uh, but um, what I had them do was go out and just try to make small talk with people. And then what I did have them do is they wrote a short reflection. And then they presented mm-hmm. their reflections to the class, but had to obviously speak. So... The difficulty with speaking and listening classes and conversation classes is giving them them homework because how do you how do you make them speak and can prove they they were actually speaking for their homework and things like that and who they're going to talk Ex- to exactly exactly so a lot of the times unfortunately I, th- I think a lot of the homework is more Input listening based. exactly exactly yeah uh, so it's more listening things like that but what I do like to do sometimes is I will assign them maybe you know listen to a song, watch a series, do something. And then I want you to come to class and tell us about it. So I'll right. have them do that. Yeah. Um, I'll have them do that. I will also have them um, uh, like try to read something. And once again, you know, just kind of basically give them some background knowledge so they can have a discussion during the next class period. To me, mm-hmm. that's the the best way to really do homework. Can you bring, can you bring up, like current affairs for them to uh, like have a discussion. Oh, about? absolutely. Especially if they're, they're a higher level student, like debate. We, or we've done pick, debates. Sides we've of. done debates. We've done um, job, mock job interviews before um, all sorts of stuff. And I'm planning on doing some of that here in the Czech Republic too, doing some debates, some mock job interviews, you name it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Chad, you're a real, a grown up. Well, as you said, Jared, we are adults. Do do you fear um, not getting across to certain students? I think that's always in the back of any any teacher's mind. Um, I would say, really, what what I worry more about is um, having the students just not be engaged and want to do it. Because as yeah. a collective, if the, the students are like, "Oh, I don't, I don't really care," and they're not into it, it kills it kills a lesson. I mean, it really does. Yeah. But it's also the struggle with those people is there's all, there's only so much you can do to get them excited because it probably at the end of the day has nothing to do with the class itself. Exactly. That's so yeah, that does suck though. Where it's like, man, I guess I just have to accept that. Right. This person just is doesn't want to doesn't doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, mm-hmm. well, I guess it is what it is. But I think also with time you get used to that. Oh, definitely. Where it's like yeah, you can't save them all. Exactly. Anything else you want to talk about with teaching? I think we've really covered the bases pretty thoroughly tonight, Jared. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else. I, that was great. Thanks for uh, giving us a little a little crash no course on, on Chad as a teacher. We'll have to do a... T-E-F-L, T-E-S-L We'll have to do a 102 episode at some point. 102 or 201? Either or. 
Okay. Either or, just the, the next step up. One or two, wh- <laughs> whatever, whatever. Okay. Some two hundred one seems like, or one hundred two seems like too slight of a step. I mean, that one hundred one's the first semester. Usually, one hundred two second semester. Oh right, right. Okay, but maybe right. we'll level up we'll to two hundred. We'll discuss we'll it. See. We'll discuss it halfway through our next. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, Jerry, I think it's that uh, time, don't you? I know. People almost thought we forgot. Oh, we did not forget. That's for sure. All right, Jared, I'm going to give you my first one because this is my biggest fear to hear as a teacher. This is German. And, oh, shoot, I may have already said this one on another podcast, but we'll see. Off to a good untranslatable right? start. This one is Ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. I think you did do that one before. Oh, damn. I only I don't remember what it means though to be really? fair. Really? Okay. Because that's how I mentioned before. I forget everything you say exactly. as soon as I uh, hang out. You better up not you. forget all these good uh, uh, teaching words though, so you can really be a hit at all the teacher parties. I do know the. Uh, I'm going to recast it to you and say. Ooh, um, there you go. Ich verstehe Bahnhof means uh, I understand trains. Is that what ich you said? Ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. Oh, ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. I recast it awfully. Ich verstehe nur Bahnhof means I only understand train station. Mm-hmm. Which means... But I don't remember what that means. Means I don't understand or, anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just means mm-hmm. I... Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a, uh, I got a Flen- Flemish one for oh, you. interesting. Okay. Stur uv kat. Kat is what you think it okay. is. Okay. Cat. R- right. <laughs> I don't know what everything else is, though. Stur. Maybe it's stur uv I feel like there's more because uh, Flemish has some Dutch influence yeah, uh-huh. in it. That's I probably need more uh, something mm-hmm. that I'm not doing. Anyway, what it literally means is send your cat. Send your cat. I I have no idea. Uh, it just the literal actually means is don't show up. Oh, send okay. your cat send instead. Send your cat instead. Okay, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Send your cat. Nice. Um, all right. Hey, uh, so I was thinking about showing up. Uh, how about you just send your cat instead? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> all right, so this one is um, Swedish. Det föll mellan stolarna. Which a literal translation okay. is, it fell between chairs. Uh, it fell between chairs. Mm-hmm. You forgot to do something? Something crossed your mind and dropped off at your mind? Um... Kind of, yeah, kind of. I would give that like a half ham horn. Um, I need to, I need to redo my soundboard to make it. I can make it. I can't do half ham horns, but I it needs to take some, take some, some okay. work. Well, put that, put that I have work to do in some, charge. Some fin- some, uh, <laughs> but right here it says the the meaning is it's an excuse you use when two people are supposed to do it, but nobody did. But now apparently, oh yeah, I've given you that one before, by the what? way. I've given you that one before. I now I remember. Oh it. shit! Really? You've given me that one? God damn! All right. Yeah. Well, Chad is two for two. Two for two. Everyone. All right. Well, here I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you another one because this is my last one. Hopefully, I'm not three for three. Uh, this, but we we can at least remind the people what it that's was. That's true. That's true. All right. So this one is Dutch. Um, Let's for an apple and I kopen. Okay, it's apple, apple, yep. a, a, uh-huh. that was apple. And I, Say it again, say it again. Let's for an apple and an I kopen. Kopen is kaufen. Let's. To buy. Let's. Right. 
Something about buying an apple? I don't and know. an Let's egg. Buy an apple. So buying something for an apple and an egg. Oh, is that cheap? Yeah, hit that ham horn, my man. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. It only cost an apple and an yep. egg. So something very cheaply. Yep. All right. I got an Albanian one for okay. you. Uh, Futjakot or Futjakot. Maybe ja. I don't know if they, how they do their J's over Me there. Either. I could type it into my uh, translator if you want. Up to you. But the literal translation is launch with no result. Launch with no result? Launch with no result. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, I'm gonna stop trying to type it in. Just it's either futja or futja. Okay. What? What? And I'm and distracting what myself does it now. Mean? Uh, doing or saying something stupid without forethought. Oh. Launched without oh, results. So you, you know, essentially just doing something with no plan. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, makes okay. sense. Another Albanian one for you. Shkel e school. Which means? Which literally means step and go. Step and go. It's not like dine and dash? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. It's uh, something done haphazardly or messily. Or, uh, oh, that makes sense. You did a real step and go job okay, there. Okay, so like half-assing something kind of? Yeah, okay. right. Nice. I believe there is also, I, I like, I believe in, in, uh, in this, see, this is not. Tr- I'm not. The, the, uh, never mind. Let's just keep okay. going. Do you? You're, you're, you ran yep. out, right? That, That's it. That was yep. your last one. I have one more for you. It's Danish. Okay. Du, uh, dukan fa en put og pilei, which means you can have a fart to play with. You can have a fart to play with. I like that one, but I don't. I don't know. Uh, it is used as an answer when someone asks you to do something and your reply is no. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like, hey, do you want to uh, go hang no, out? No, you can have a fart to play, to play with, play with instead. One. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. I think it seems like – it didn't say this, but I think it seems like if like you really like you really don't want to do something with someone right. is how it comes okay. off at least. I could see that. Uh, I could definitely see that. Makes sense. But what you should do instead if you don't want to hang out is listen to – Hiatus Coyote because they're my new favorite, uh, my new favorite band. Mm. I, I've I've heard about them for a long time, and uh, I never bothered to listen to them. And until today, I was trying to think of a good song of the pod. Okay, and I was like, oh, Hiatus Coyote. They're uh, I believe they're from Australia, which they are. They're from Mel- Melbourne, as I think you would right. say over there. And uh, so I chose them for the song of the pod. It is Jekyll is the song. And I gave Chad a couple options, and then as I was giving him options, I was listening to other songs, and I realized I could have given him options all day yep. long. Oh, for sure. And um, so the song is called Jekyll, and uh, the, the it's a it's a band of a woman that sings and plays, and that in that song specifically, she plays uh, piano, and then there's a keyboard, another keyboard player, and then there's a lot of singers and a drummer, and um, what they call themselves is uh she's a uh height there she's a oh the main singer her name is napalm and she's a uh she's the singer songwriter and she stated that she had a vision uh for hiatus coyote uh hiatus coyote brand as future soul and so Mm, on on um i was trying to figure out how to explain the the vibe because it is a 
like a R&B-ish kind of jazzy funk soul vibe-ish. Oh, definitely. And on Wikipedia, they're, one of the genres that they give it is blue-eyed soul. Have you ever heard of blue-eyed soul before? Uh-uh, no. I haven't either, Chad, but I had to click okay. on it. Uh, can you take a guess? Because I think you can. So just white people playing soul music? Yeah, <laughs> yeah bro. Okay. That's apparently a term. Interesting. And it's been going on since the 60s, which I guess makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd argue probably was going on before that. Um, if, if, if this is a term, then I'm going to argue that this has been going on before that. But yeah, it was rhythm and blues and soul music performed by white artists. The term was coined in the mid-60s to describe white artists who performed uh, soul and R&B that was similar to the music of Motown uh, and Stack's record label. Uh, though many rhythm and blues radio stations in the period would play music only by black musicians, some began to play music by white acts considered to have soul feeling, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. as they have it on Wikipedia. And the music was then described as blue-eyed soul. Oh, man. That's a term that I feel like is ready to be thrown out the pasture. Hopefully, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, w- regardless of what they call it, the song is great. Hyotis Cody is great. And um, they have great backup singers. Oh, yeah, they do. Hi, uh, Napalm has a beautiful voice. Uh, in other songs, I, this this song not as much, but in other songs I was amazed by the drums. Mm-hmm. Like the one I mentioned to you. I had to mention it even though uh, right. <laughs> we said we weren't going to choose that song. The drummer's great. The, key, uh, the, the main keyboardist, because Napalm, even though she plays keyboard, she's not the main keyboardist. Right. The keyboardist is, is great too. I just loved it. I thought it was great. And I'm going to keep listening to them probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. I and would so too. our song of the pot is Jekyll, is what it was. Right. And uh, it was great. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. I th- do you, what do, you have, do you, what do you have anything to say about Jekyll? I mean, as you said, they're really, really soulful. Um, and I just love the way they kind of play with different time signatures. Um, yes. Yeah, a lot, of song, most, a lot of their songs were like that. And I think Future, future Soul down. is a great... You know, it's I don't always like to like brand things, you know, using certain terms, but I feel like that's very fitting of it because it seems very progressive. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a these aren't simple chord progressions, really. They're not simple time signatures. No, no, it it is. It it is. I mean, especially as people like us that enjoy like kind of the technical Mm -hmm. part of music, too. Sure. It's it's technical stuff. I mean, very technical. uh, Like the the there's a lot of. um time signature moving around mm-hmm. and a lot of timing changing and not like that song we had a while ago ATOS right. it's not like uh, it's not like a shocking right uh time signature change it's just v- it's all very fluid and it's all beautifully put together where um even though there's a lot of timing changing it's not so in your face right. with it it's more just like a like a ab sort of section to a song the way they do right. it yeah it's a great song and um yeah i love exactly. it exactly and i'm going to i'm honestly going to keep listening oh, to them oh for sure shout out to Hiatus Coyote. So look forward to that. Look, look up. Um, you know, I'm obviously going to tweet out Jekyll Untranslatable One, but uh, go f- from there. Keep going. Exactly. So please check out our Twitter at Untranslatable One. Uh, we'll have that out for you guys when this episode drops. But you know, Jared, you know what else is pretty difficult? Not only is uh, Hiatus Coyote's music pretty difficult, but uh, the Czech language is also <laughs> very difficult. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. we're finally coming back with a Czech word of the pod. Because Chad can't, we need to prove that Chad's not over there not learning the language, especially now that we know polyglot cons con- right? coming up. Can't have Chad embarrassing exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> Gotta hold the torch for the untranslatable podcast. But our Czech word of the pod today, it's actually a phrase. 
Well, I guess it's technically two words, but it's a phrase. And the phrase is um, uchet prosim, which means the bill please. Okay. So I used this today when I was uh, at a restaurant. So there you go. What's the uh, literal translation of just bill please? I think so, yes. Mm-hmm. Is pro- prosim, is that please? Yes. And it can also okay, be so your welcome. Is... Oh, kind of like bitter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Okay. I like that. See, I like that you're bringing um, practical stuff. That's what I'm trying to do. I don't want it to be some sort of fun phrase or something. I want it to be stuff that you're actually going right. to use. And I, like I said, I a, use uh, that daily today. Basis. Usually when I think of these check words of the pod, I try to think about which check words did I use today. So, yeah. Right. For sure. Right. I like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Jared, we've come to that time where... Uh, we need to give our listeners out there our quote of the pot. And I mm-hmm. wanted to give a quote today by John Dewey, who is a very important player in the educational uh, reform. Um, he was also an American philo- uh, ph- philosopher. I can't speak English right now. Philosophizer. Thank you. you <laughs> and, the first time. and psychologist. <laughs> and uh, his ideas have been very uh, influential in education and also social reform. Um, so he is a very important player in education and our quote for our listeners tonight or today whenever you're listening to this is if we teach today's students as we taught yesterday's we rob them of tomorrow john dewey yeah i think that that speaks so much more than just a classroom though because i I mean for example we were talking about um i shout out to once again our shout out ayana presley Mm -hmm. Uh, that even, as we were saying earlier, that even transfers to simple things like teaching people under the age of 70 that they should probably vote not just during the presidential, or I mean presidential too, but uh, that the midterms are just as or sometimes even more important depending on what's happening. Exactly. And uh, for example, now I'd say the midterms are pretty important, especially if you're voting for someone like Ayanna Presley. Exactly. I would agree. I would agree. Well, I hope everyone out there has enjoyed... Granted, that's not midterms, Right. Sorry, I was just I was just correcting that. That's just not midterm that they're right. voting for. It's but. it's all important for sure. Yes. Right. So to all our teachers out there, make sure you're teaching um, today's students um, to prepare them for tomorrow. And we hope you all have enjoyed this lesson, learned some useful TEFL or TESL terms, and we are looking forward to hearing from you on uh, our Instagram Untranslatable Podcast. Feel free to hop into our DMs on Twitter at Untranslatable One. And shoot us an email at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. We'll have another episode coming up for you very soon. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.